everything is mapped out and it's mapped out all wrong and it's mapped out in the most expensive way possible, which is what we need to change. Our healthcare system is very insurance centric uh, and, and has, has come away from that doctor patient relationship, which I talk about so, so much. The, the amount of premiums, for instance, last year alone was over $22,000 for a family of four. That's a brand new VW Jetta every single year. So here at Point Health, we're focused on making healthcare easy to find, easy to understand, and easier to afford. Uh, as we kick off our podcast, we decided to start with finding care and speak with uh, experts who can share their perspectives on why affordable quality healthcare is so hard to find here in the U.S. So today, we are speaking with David Blatt, director of the Right on Healthcare Initiative at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and I'll give you a little bit of his background uh, and then we'll go from there. So, so David's got a, an excellent intro. Uh, former congressional candidate in Texas's second congressional district, represent H Town. That's where I'm from as well. David, uh, seasoned hospital executive, more than 20 years of experience there. Served as CEO of a hospital. Uh, testified testified before the U.S. House, House Committee on Oversight and Reform in D.C. and various committees in the Texas State Legislature. Uh, published multiple op-eds on healthcare policy matters. Um, I love this one, volunteers to help families navigate their bills and how to understand their benefits, which is something that we really care about uh, here at Point Health. Um, and, and I love that you also said first-generation American um, and first in your family to graduate college, which I thought was was, was really commendable um, and, and awesome to hear. So so with that, I really just want to say thanks for joining us, David. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. It's, it's a topic that I'm very passionate about. It's the reason why I do what I do and uh, one of the reasons why I get up in the morning. So. Uh, thanks for allowing me to do uh, that, which I love. Awesome. Well, we, we feel the same. And I should say we're joined by uh, Matt Dale, CEO of Point Health. Hi, everybody. Uh, and then Brian King is here as well as our producer and may, may jump in at some at some point. So, um, you know, maybe to start off, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about your background? And you know, I, I went through it there a bit, but but kind of what led you to become involved in healthcare? Oh, well, uh, well, uh, uh, first generation of uh, American, uh, you know, as a child of an immigrant family, I was supposed to be a doctor. Uh, that was that didn't work out. Um, that's just not the way God wired me. But I I grew up in uh, you know as soon as I could work or volunteer, I did, and and uh, thinking that my my path was going to be down the road of medicine, I, I did those things in a hospital. So I volunteered and I got my first job at uh, six, 15, 16 years old in medical records and. Through high school, just worked just about in every uh, department of a hospital. Um, college, worked my way through uh, University of Houston, um, working in the ER and ICU of some local hospitals there, and um, you know found that my my skill set and had some good mentors point me in the direction of administration, and that really suited my my skill set, my interests, my my strengths, uh, and my weaknesses. So. Uh, Went to graduate school there in Houston, and, and uh, you know, the rest is history. It just got to be a part of some wonderful organizations and um, got to be uh, really a, a, a big part of the industry that I love and, and taking care of patients. And I really felt that my role uh, was to still be part of patient care. And people will say, well, how do you do that as an administrator? And, well, you do that by allowing doctors and nurses and, and people with the expertise that do the work to do their job. You provide them with the resources necessary to take care of the patients. I love it. Yeah. Well, 
I, I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing. And I think we're very much aligned with, with, with a lot of the work that you guys are doing. You know, I, I think maybe to start, why don't we just ask, why is it so hard to find healthcare in the U.S.? That's a tough question, but where, where would you start? Why, why is it so tough? You know, that, that's, that's, that's a difficult question. Let's, let's break the question down. I don't know that it's necessarily hard. There are just obstacles. Um, there are a number of tools out there that allow you to, to, to find good products. You guys are working on it. I created a, a, something I call the shopping list on our website at texaspolicy.com slash shopping list. And I basically put out organizations that uh, are transparent, that have their, their fees out there, whether it be pharmacy, whether it be doctor, whether it be surgical center, they're, they're all out there. But when most people have their insurance or their, their, um, their coverage, which is typically insurance through their employer, all, all uh, journeys begin with, you know, that card, that insurance card. Uh, how is it that I'm going to go to the doctor? Well, who's in that one? Um, I need to go to the specialist. If I didn't get there through my primary care, Again, who's in network, and they're going to send me to an in-network hospital. Everything is mapped out, and it's mapped out all wrong, and it's mapped out in the most expensive way possible, which is what we need to change. And that's why I appreciate organizations like yours and, and many others that are more patient-centric and not insurance-centric. Our healthcare system is very insurance-centric, uh, and and has has come away from that doctor-patient relationship, which I talk about so so much. The way to fix healthcare in this country is to focus on primary care. So if, if you could change uh, the way that people, I guess, interact with their, their health insurance plan and move away from, you know, going to a doctor that's listed on their card as a network, how would you design a plan to work? What would that look like? Well, I, I would have to point to the way that I, I work with my own family. You know, I, through the foundation, I'm offered benefits. They, they offer me insurance as being an employee, but I would have to pay extra to cover my family. And so I have not uh, taken any of those, those benefits because what I do, um, and I'll share that here shortly, is much more affordable. Uh, it's much easier to shop for healthcare, and uh, it, it's really um, a good bit easier. So what do you do, David? Uh, I do two things. One, I have a direct primary care doctor for my entire family. That's 24-7 access from anywhere in the country uh, via phone, FaceTime, email, text. Uh, and, and we have a great relationship. He knows us and we know him. And in some cases, my, well, my, my daughter and my wife have a female DPC. There's that relationship there. And then what I also do is, is uh, we're members of a cost-sharing organization called Sidera. And I have uh, you know, the, the equivalent of what you would think of as a deductible, which is $1,500. But between the Sidera monthly payment and the DPC payment for four people in my family, I pay less than $500 a month. So that's what I would do. And people will say, well, Dave, you know, okay, that's fine. But what about labs that cost $15,000 and uh, MRIs that are you know, $6,000? That's a lot of what I do. If you go to our Facebook page for Right on Healthcare, uh, many people will come on there and say, "I, we had a Medicare patient um, come on there and said, my husband needs a chemotherapy. It's $500 a month. That's just our copay. And we don't know what to do. And we led them to our shopping list. And she found an organization that's a, it's a direct pharmacy, actually. You pay a monthly membership and 
there's there's wholesale uh, payments. Um, and she was able to find the same drug for her husband, uh, and it was generic, by the way, for fifty dollars a month. Now, when you're on a fixed income, that, that's 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 a lot of money to everybody. But when you're on a fixed income on Medicare and you're collecting a Social Security check, that's transformational. They can use that money for a lot of other things, spending on the grandkids or you know, whatever their needs might be. But you can get CAT scans for two fifty. You can get MRIs for three hundred to four hundred dollars. You can get labs for forty bucks. Where I used to pay five hundred with insurance. It is absolutely a travesty that this idea of insurance that's supposed to make things more inexpensive is actually driving the cost up. Well, why do you think the the current insurance model um, has has become? so hard to, I guess, disentrench from the system. Um, why is it that, that things like the, the sharing communities and direct primary care, even though they've been around in various forms for you know, 15 or 20 years, only, only cover a, a small percentage of the population or only a, a small percentage of the population chooses to utilize that? What's, what are the blockers that they're facing? Well, I think there are a number. Um, there are regulations that uh, that create a barrier to entry for for many. You know, you you're allowed to use your HSA card if you have HSA cards for physicians or, or other healthcare services, but you cannot use it for a DPC doctor. That's that's silly. There are a number of states out there that still consider direct primary care to be insurance. Same with cost sharing models; they consider them to be insurance and they want to regulate them. Well, they didn't. They weren't successful because you know, they were regulated. Now, should there be a little oversight? Sure. There's some bad actors out there, but uh, we don't treat them like insurance. They're not insurance. It's, it's, it's another animal altogether. Um, but I would say maybe the biggest obstacle is a cultural one. Even when I tell uh, folks about these things that I do, they, they look at me funny and give me side eye and, and, and say, that's just too good to be true. And the the um, the allure of something that sounds so good, people do a cost benefit. On one side, you have the allure of something that sounds great, but you really don't know about it. You haven't heard too much about it, and then you have the aversion of risk by having that insurance card that everybody's told you that you need to have, um, even though it really doesn't uh, protect you from risk. There's no transfer of risk anymore. It's not insurance. It's some form of, of, of bastardized um, uh, financial model that, that pays for some care. But people are coming out of pocket in, in a significant way. It, the, the amount of premiums, for instance, last year alone was over $22,000 for a family of four. That's a brand new VW Jetta every single year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really crazy. That's and a lot of money. And I can actually attest to what you were saying. I'm, I'm all, we have a very similar setup. So I also have Sidera and I, and I actually do go to uh, uh, Euphoria Health as my DPC practice, Dr. Larson. And, and it's been wonderful. But, but I'll say this, it's been about a year and uh, going on two years for me that I've been in this situation with my family. Um, and it, it's taken two years for me to really wrap my head around it and explain it to people well. And, and when I first joined, I came from a, a larger healthcare organization and it felt like a foreign world. Like to, to not have an insurance card and to not have... Um, those traditional things. And, and honestly, my wife, it was weird at first for us to go to our, our pediatrician and say, we're cash pay, because it's almost like a negative stigma there. Um, and I'm not saying that that everyone 
has to go with the DPC and cash pay. I mean, everyone has different situations, right? But for us, it was sure. a, it was at, at first a weird situation. Now we're used to it. My wife actually has gotten to the point now where you know she gets mad if she if she has to just settle and can't shop for for her 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 you know procedures. So we're we're aligned on that one. I definitely think that makes sense. Um, one thing I think we wanted to talk about, Matt, was 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 price transparency and price transparency legislation. I know that's something really close to your heart, David. Um, you know, so obviously we're we're sitting here after the election. Uh, a lot of things are occurring. I'm curious to get your thoughts on kind of kind of the direction the Trump administration had been going with price price transparency, and how you expect that to either change or stay the course um, as the you know with 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 a with a Biden administration and kind of what you see happening with price transparency. Well, we've been fighting very hard at the federal level to support the executive orders that created transparency. <clears throat> Many people would, I've, I've, I've had pushback from, from even those, uh, well, on, from those on both sides of the aisle saying, well, David, it's a government mandate. We don't want to do that. Uh, but you know what? You cannot have a free market if you don't know what the price signals are. That's just the bottom line. We need to know what the prices are. And uh, the, the president's executive order has been uh, winning in courts, and, and we're hoping that that will continue to be the case. Um, as of January 1st of, of 2021, hospitals must uh, must post their negotiated rates with insurance companies. That's going to be important. However, with all executive orders, they can actually be uh, removed by the next president. Why I don't think that that will be the case is because transparency was a big issue uh, outlined by the Biden um, campaign team. In their healthcare seg- section, they talked about transparency quite a bit. I would be surprised um, if they pulled it back, uh, and if they did, that would be very telling of who they're listening to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's it's hard as a uh, policy standard to to try to pull away transparency. It's it's hard to politically say that transparency is bad. You know, if you're if you're a politician and you're going to run on, we, we don't want you to know. We want you know you to you to you to stay in the dark. But then I don't think you're going to get many votes. So yeah, I, I'm with you and I'm hopeful on that. And I I know um, I think Marty McCary had a session I, I listened to where he was saying that things look good at least in terms of the policy maintaining with the Biden administration. I, I happen to agree with Marty. He's, he's he's a good friend and a good man, and I, I trust his judgment as well. So I'm glad I'm on the same side. As <laughs> yeah, I, I am too. I, I'm I'm a fan of his, and I think he, you know, he what he what he's doing it makes a lot of sense. So, um, well, I think we're in we're in agreement there. Um, you know, with transparency um, coming, it, I, I guess it, I don't think it's it's as simple as all of a sudden you know price transparency appears. And then healthcare is, is fixed, right? Like th- that's not going to happen. So maybe we can we talk a little bit about that in between and how do how do you see uh, patients beginning to be able to actually use the pricing information that's going to be shared? Yeah, no, it's 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 not the end all fix all for for you know making things better, but it's a critical first step. It's necessary for us to be able to do all the other things that we we need to do. Uh, if people are, look, everybody's a cash payer now with five to $6,000 deductibles, you're coming out of your own pocket. So what is that going to do? If you have the ability to understand what your, um, uh, what your out, outlay is going to be, that's going to, that's going to you know, factor into your decision-making because right now what happens? So I'm, I'm a patient and I have two hospitals that I can go to and they both have different contracts with my insurance company. One's negotiated the $2,000 CAT scan price because they're part of the big system. 
One's a standalone one-off hospital and they negotiated $1,000. If I have a $5,000 deductible, which one am I going to go to? I'm going to spend, I'm going to save myself $1,000. And that is, that's, that's not a, uh, a wild, uh, far off story. Uh, that's, that's pretty common, uh, to be quite honest. So giving people the power is, is going to change behavior and it's going to change the face of healthcare. How can I make a statement that big? Well, it's already happening. You look at the surgery center of Oklahoma. I know people use that example quite a bit and people say, well, you know, if they're so great, how come there haven't been a ton of them that have built around the country? Well, there have, they're just not as famous. And so it's important that, that we see that the trends of those types of organizations uh, pop up and then become immensely successful in a very short time. Uh, you, you look at transparency, how people crave it. Um, you know, primary care doctors took a bath during COVID with the exception of direct primary care. They actually grew. Their wait list grew and grew and grew because they were trying to recruit doctors as fast as they could. Uh, people that became unemployed, that didn't have insurance anymore, found out about DPC. And they, they re realized that they could pay a monthly membership like a Netflix model, like a Netflix subscription, and have access to a doctor. And for some people, that felt like a lifeline. But why does it need to take that for us to have that as part of the normal uh, in how we uh, participate and partake and consume healthcare services? That's, that's what I'm pushing for as, as far as uh, the state of Texas and around the country. Uh, but transparency, so to add on to your, your, your question or your statement, you talked about uh, what's going to happen with transparency at the federal level. You know, we, we can all speculate as to what, that, what might be the case. I know there's legislation, but there's pushback on that because the hospitals and the insurers don't want it. But uh, regardless... Uh, you're going to see some bills in the state of Texas, in the state house, that will uh, really push on that issue as well. With uh, with all the evidence that really shows, uh, I think you know, better health outcomes for people that are part of a DPC. Why do you think the insurance industry hasn't been more friendly towards the DPC approach? Because they don't get to control the dollars. Right now, they're they're uh, they're the middleman. They're the ones that control who gets to uh, who gets what and and when and uh, according to whatever policies they have in place. And so, if you if you take away that flow of of, uh, of money from them, they can't really tell the doctors what to do anymore. That makes sense. Um... Why do you think that there there hasn't been a consolidated platform yet that's come out that really makes it easy for consumers to locate all of the surgery centers like Surgery Center of Oklahoma or locate all of the DPC facilities? Why has it taken so long for that information to be aggregated in a way that's easy to locate? Well, I, I tried to do that. It's just really as a way to help folks. Um, why someone isn't doing it professionally, I, I guess it would be uh, the difficulty in the ways that they would monetize it because uh, those organizations operate on such thin margins because they're, they're offering such low rates that they're not going to pay every, every search engine 
to to put them out there. Um, they rely on on word of mouth and um, you know the primary care doctors within their their area and you know employers because we know that the uh, Surgery Center of Oklahoma and the Texas Free Market Surgery Center they draw patients from all over the country and all over the world. In fact, so it's 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 more word of mouth. I think. Uh, to answer your question, it would be, how do you monetize that? Yeah, that makes sense. That's something that's, uh, that's our self-serving question is where I think, you know, approaching that and, and we, we see the need there. And I, as a patient who is on Sedera, I would love to have that tool, right? I'd, I'd love to be able to do that, um, easily. Um, but, but it just, it just isn't there yet. And then that's obviously something that we're, we want to work toward, um, so from there, I'm I'm curious um, from your perspective, having kind of worked in this industry for so long. I know you were were a hospital. Were you a CEO? Is that correct? I think you were you were a CEO at, at in Humble. Is that accurate? Uh, several places. Several places. Okay. I was a, I was a turnaround specialist, so I uh, community hospitals, uh, rural hospitals throughout Texas and southern Louisiana. So could you say a little bit about, so I think you, that gives you a unique perspective is, is where I'm going. So could you say a little bit about the hospital side in, in this equation? Uh, you know, there, there's, the, there's the payer, there's the patient, there's the provider. As, as someone who has some experience on the hospital side, can you talk a little bit about what that looks like and, and how price transparency is going to affect them and how, how they view the, the kind of movement toward healthcare consumerism, I guess? I, I heard an interesting podcast recently where Stephen Clasco, who's, I think, president of Jefferson Health, Health System, talked about this. Um, and he was actually saying, he, it's funny, as a president, he was saying he thought a lot of the existing hospital systems, these giant, you know, extremely expensive buildings are going to essentially become useless in the future. And I'm just curious if, if you agree with that or if you, how, how you see all of this affecting the hospital side of things. Yes and no. Do I agree with them? Yes and no. Are they going to be useless? No. Uh, you know, like you, your big academic medical centers, yeah. there won't be much change. Um, your centers of excellence, like your MD Anderson and Sloan Kettering and Mayo Clinic, there's not going to be a lot of change there. They, they have, they have a purpose. Your St. Jude's of the world. Um, yeah, hospitals run fat. Uh, they have a lot of overhead. They have a lot of expense. Um, a lot of it is needless because, uh, again, I did turnarounds, so I, I, you know, my job was to cut out a lot of this fat. Um, I, I just recently had a conversation with uh, uh, some some gentlemen that own a hospital or several hospitals in in Southeast Texas, and they, there was a concern about transparency. And I said, look, you have the ability, you have the, the opportunity to be first to market, to be able to offer something that um, is, is new, that will be of value to patients. And I would love for you all to, to, to be the standard bearer and set the tone for what it would be like in the future. That's a scary proposition for a lot of people, especially with such an expensive business like hospitals. Uh, but I, I'm continuing with that message. I think that, uh, you know, right now, if you have a surgery, you're going to have a, an itemized statement with about 400 codes on it. There's no reason why those can't be bundled and they have one price for everything that the hospital does. Uh, and you can do the same thing with the anesthesia and the same thing with the surgeon if they're not employed by the hospital. Yeah, and that's something we actually... We, uh... I'm with you. And I think we want to play a role in, in supporting the groups that do that. And so one thing that we're looking at as we're building out our platform is how can we send more patients to the 
the Texas, uh, you know, free, free market surgery centers or, or, or the Oklahoma surgery centers or, or, or like the group you were just referencing, how can we help them? How can we help make it easier for them to take that step and, and help send patients their way um, who ultimately would benefit? It benefits both sides, right? It benefits the patient because they can find a more affordable option. And then we can also send patients to those centers that are willing to work with a patient and, and, and charge a fair price, right? Yeah. I think it's a chicken and egg situation. Uh, yeah. Once you start some volume, uh, they recognize that, you know, hey, this is a good business model. People are going to work are, are going to make decisions uh, based on their own self-interest. That's that's the nature of our economy. Um, and that's not a bad thing. But I think it, it takes brave folks uh, like some of the things that you all want to do. Uh, it takes some courage to be able to, to break the mold and do something different and and uh, culture bust, basically. Are you aware of, of any hospital in the country that's done what the surgery center of Oklahoma did, which is really put it, you know, price transparency front and center, or is it on the hospital side, completely uncharted territory for some, for someone to fully but, embrace it? Yeah. It's, it's really challenging to do. I, I so, um, they do it in various pieces, but, um, the the relationship with the insurance companies make it extremely difficult to do that. So unless there is that that law that uh, compels them to do so, and it does the same thing to the insurance companies, they they really can't make that step because they're prohibited from posting the, ne the negotiated rates by the insurance contracts. Um, you know, I, I tried to offer cash rates for CAT scans. I wanted to sell, you know, be able to offer them up for two hundred dollars a scan. The numbers worked out. I still made a profit. But it was incredibly difficult um, to offer it to patients that had insurance because uh, the insurance contracts will say, well, we will pay you um, the negotiated rate uh, or what you charge in the lesser of the two. So if I gave somebody a $200 cash option, I would have to offer that same uh, discount or that same price to, to the insurance companies. Um, and, and that's not something that you want to do when you're the fiduciary of an organization. Can you can you unpack for people why hospitals can't, or certainly at, up to this point, haven't been willing just to charge a fair price for everybody? And, you know, insurance pays the same as a person who's self-pay or a person who's on Medicare. Why is it so confusing and difficult for hospitals just to say, hey, th this is the cost and this is what we're going to charge everybody? Because you, you don't, well, when you're in a position, when you're a CEO, your, your job is to make sure everything runs well, but you're also there to maximize the, the return of the shareholders. Um, so you, you don't want to leave money on the table. And there are some contracts that are very good and some contracts that are very bad. Um, and then whatever that fair number would be, if I were to leave that, if I were to put that number at, at the fair number somewhere in the middle, I would be leaving a lot of money on the table for those organizations that paid more for whatever reason. And so that's, that's just something that they're not going to do. Now, some of the other things that, that play into this is are, um, a lot of the regulations that uh, are, are gamed by the hospitals. Uh, you look at um, charity care. Charity care is based on their gross charge and those big, high, crazy numbers. So 
you know, a lab test that's $14,000. If I were, if you're, you know, a charity patient and I say, look, we're just not going to charge you, guess how much charity care they just gave? $14,000. Well, is that a true reflection? No, it's not because that lab test probably cost them uh, on the order of five to $10. So, but, but they do benefit from federal, uh, 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 help and, and, and remuneration in some ways uh, from the Medicare program because they're posting that on the Medicare cost reports. Um, so we, we just have a very, uh, you know, a very complex system that has been made worse by uh, government officials trying to fix the problems. Unfortunately, I think that's where we often get to in these kinds of conversations and you know when you listen you watch the webinars and you we just end up in this place where we say man it's so confusing and it's there's so many reasons why so you know i think um i don't want to end on a on a downer i think i do see that there there's there's i think there's hope i think there are groups trying to make a difference i think we mentioned some of them on this call like sidera and 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 sean kelly and, and keith smith and the folks at the surgery centers and um, and the work that you're doing, and, and I would encourage listeners to look at the health shopping list, which you mentioned on the Texas Public Policy Foundation uh, website. But maybe maybe we, we, we end this this conversation looking at some <coughs> of the positive. What, what gives you hope? What are, what are some of the, I, mean, I mentioned a couple there, and maybe I, st- I stole the answer, but what, what are some groups or some initiatives that give you some hope in terms of, you know, w- where this can go and how we can see a, a positive change? Well, before I get into naming some of the groups, let me tell you why, why I have hope. Uh, I, I honestly, um, I, I could be, I could be in the hospital business right now. I I'm doing this because I believe that there's a way forward in this country. I believe that there's an opportunity, uh, for healthcare to be fixed. I love this industry and I love patient care. And I feel that it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And we're having less and less doctors. Um, and it's, it's, uh, really a problem. And so I'm, I, I get up every morning um, ready to fight whoever needs to, to be fought to, so that we can make it easier for patients to find, afford, and, and, uh, and, and get the care that they need. Uh, so in that way, we're aligned. But, you know, if you go to the shopping list, I have a lot of those groups there. Um, you know, Kristen Dickerson of Green Imaging. It's a great national organization that has very fair and very affordable um, uh, prices for imaging services and the quality is fantastic. And I've, I've worked with her in, in the past and she's just a, an excellent uh, radiologist. Uh, there are a number of uh, pharmacy groups. Uh, they're there on the list as well. We have the surgery centers, as I mentioned, direct primary care, which have, there's some mappers that will show you where you can find people that uh, are, are participating in that model. And they even have their prices right there. Go figure. And then crazy. Uh, another one with just, uh, you know, just a, another site that provides a list of doctors that have cash rates. Uh, but at the very top of that list are just some generalized shopping tools like Sesame and, mm-hmm. and uh, you name it. I forget some of the names now, but uh, we try to put as many out there as possible. But, uh, you know, but even that list, as small as it is, it still can be confusing and, and creates an anxiety for people. Um, so we're going to get there. We're going to figure it out. Uh, transparency is that needed first step. And I'm thankful that, uh, that it's, it's gotten to where it is and, and I'm hopeful that it will continue. Uh, and I'm even more hopeful that, um, uh, 
people will, will be able to access and afford health care uh, much in a much better and easier way than they have been over the last 10 years. Amen. Yeah. Speak, speaking to the choir, we're, we're 100% with you. And I think we, we hope that we can uh, make a positive impact. And, 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 I, and I think I speak for Matt and everybody when I say that we all, we share that passion and that we, um, you know, we want to do something in this industry that, that results in a, in a positive change. Um, and we, we want to see this move in that direction. So this has been awesome. Um, last thing I was going to ask you um, was, so where can our listeners connect with you online? If people want to kind of follow you, engage with you and see what you're putting out, what's the best place for them to go? Yeah, uh, well, right on healthcare, you go to the, it's a private Facebook group that you can ask to join and, uh, we, we let everybody in. Uh, we've got about 1200 followers now. You can find me on Twitter at David Balot HC for healthcare. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. That's really all the places that I'm, I'm on, but you can go to texaspolicy.com. And if you want to go to the issues page, you can find everything that I've written. Uh, and it's, it's broken out by, by various issues. We do a lot here at the foundation, but healthcare is, uh, can be isolated and filtered. Awesome. And then I would say, I just read your uh, DPC research paper you put out, I think last week or recently and yeah. uh, great, great piece. I actually shared it in a healthcare Slack I'm in and in a conversation on DPC. So great resource there. So I, I would recommend folks who are interested in that to go and, and read that piece as well. So uh, that's all I got, Matt, anything else you want to add before we wrap? Uh, no, really appreciate you taking time to hop on the podcast with us. So my awesome. pleasure. Well, hey, appreciate it, David. You have a good rest of your day, and we will uh, we'll see you soon. Thank Great. you. You Thank too. you so much. Awesome. That brings our episode to a close. Thanks to David for joining us and sharing his expertise on health policy, the challenges that exist in our health system, and what gives him hope about the future. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and learned a thing or two from David. We're going to continue this theme of finding quality, affordable healthcare for the next few episodes as we speak with experts on healthcare quality and healthcare technology. Uh, be sure to subscribe now so you can get a heads up when future episodes drop. Thanks for listening.